You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. All right. Good morning. Well, we are... uh, it's good to come together and to be reminded of uh, who our God is. Uh, hopefully your heart was encouraged as we sung worship um, to our King this morning. And uh, uh, just a special welcome for those who are joining us online today for one reason or the other. Maybe you got a sniffle or something that you're unable to be here, but uh, we're, we're thankful that we get to gather together this morning. Well, we are studying the book of Genesis. If you, uh, if this is your first Sunday and uh, you haven't been here for the last two weeks, just a quick recap. Uh, ultimately, in the first 25 verses, we see that our, our God is awesome. Uh, if you miss that, He is uh, sovereign, He is our creator, He is powerful, He is all knowing, and He is good. And uh, as we considered creation, how it got here, we recognize that he is the one who is over this creation. And whatever we're going through in our lives, that we can turn to him, knowing that he is the one, not only the one who created it, but he is the one who continues to sustain our earth. Uh, This week and next week, we're going to be looking at verses 26 to 31 of chapter 1 of Genesis. And uh, as we do so, we're, we're going to be talking about identity. Uh, any, anything in the news about identity uh, these days, okay? Yeah, there, there's a whole lot going on about identity, and, and there's a lot of confusion about identity. And uh, this is why I, I believe it's so important that we're studying the book of Genesis right now, as we've called the series Foundations. The things that we're looking at are so foundational uh, you know, the, these six verses that we're going to be studying, uh, although we're doing it for two weeks, you really could uh, do a major series on this. The, the, the significance of the truth that is in here is, is really important for you and I today. And uh, so I'm thankful that small groups, you guys are going to continue to talk about the things that we're going to be studying today. Uh, we, we can't cover everything in whatever amount of time I'm going to take today, okay? Um, but, but you're going to continue to talk about these things this next week as we think about what does it mean to be created in the image of God? And then next week, what does it mean to be created male and female? And so we're going to be looking at that. And uh, I want to start this morning by asking you this question. Who do you think you are? Now, you could take that based on the way I say that. You could take that in different ways, okay? But your answer to that question really will tell me a whole lot about you. Who do you think you are? Many people have a self-assessment of who they are. They, you know, I'm a, you know, for men, oftentimes they'll name their career, they'll They'll you know, maybe say, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a husband, I have this many children, I'm maybe this particular nation, uh, race or, or, or background. But is that assessment enough? Uh, what about those people who go by what other people think? 
Uh, I, I think I'm like this because this is what everybody around me is telling me. And, and they are, they're living their identity based on what other people are telling them. And again, as we see our culture influence society, what happens? People change based on that influence. And you guys remember junior high and high school? I don't know if, it, I don't know if kids, I think they're still pretty impressionable, right? But, you know, this is what you're supposed to wear. This is what you're not supposed to wear. This is how you're supposed to look. This is how you're not supposed to look. And, oh, we're all rebelling at the same time. Look how different we are. And yet we all look at the same, exact same way, right? So, so we, we, we build our identities based on either ourselves or based on um, what other people think. Now, before identity became kind of front headlines in the news, uh, self-esteem was, was really a big deal, and I think still is a thing that, that a lot of people talk about. If you want to think about what is self-esteem, uh, I googled it, so here's your definition. Self-esteem is how we value and perceive ourselves. It's based on our opinions and beliefs about ourselves, which can feel difficult, feel difficult to change. We might also think of this as self-confidence. Your self-esteem can affect whether you like and value yourself as a person. And I think in the past and even today, there are a lot of people who really struggle with this thing that the world is called self-esteem. They look at their own lives and they're like, I, I, I don't like me. I wish I was like this person or that person. We, we, we envy others. And, and, and the world is like, okay, well, we recognize the problem. And I think it is a legitimate problem. But the, the problem is that the world's solution to that problem is then to look more into self. And what I want us to see this morning is that at the end of the day, our identity, our identity isn't based on what others say. Our identity even isn't based on what we say. Our identity is based on what God says about us. Our esteem, I've called this sermon God esteem because that's where our esteem should come from. Our esteem should come from the fact that we are created in his image. Our esteem should come from the fact that God sent his son to die for us. And so this morning, if you're, if you're discouraged, and I know there are some people here, here today who are feeling like that. You're discouraged. You don't, you don't like the way life is. People are maybe are making, if you're a younger person, I don't know, older people you get make fun of too, maybe. But, but I remember as a young person, it seemed to be a whole lot more. But there, you know, you're, 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 you're under the ridicule of others or you're under the ridicule of yourself even based on how you're evaluating yourself. And I want you to see that your confidence, your importance, your value, even your direction in life needs to come from what God says about you. This is foundational stuff. It is not a surprise in a world that is trying to erase the past that nobody has an understanding of where do I have esteem? Where, what am I supposed to do with my life? There is no direction. There is no purpose if we don't know where we came from. And so we've been talking about this last couple of weeks. And so once again, I want us to, to look into what God's word says about who we are. Amen. All right. So let's pray. And then we're going to get into it together. Lord, we're so thankful for your word. Your word is true every single word and god we come with humility before you this morning lord we desperately need to have your mind about ourselves 
where we see in the scriptures that our hearts are deceitful above all else. Even We can't even trust ourselves, God, about who we are. But, oh Lord, we can trust you. And so, Lord, I pray for those who would be discouraged this morning, those who are wrestling with who they are, God, would you show them who they are based on what your word says today? May they find great encouragement from your word today. May they find direction for their life from your word today. And Lord, would you lead us? Would you guide us through the power of your spirit as we study these things? Lord, for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so everyone needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and stick up your hand. Maybe you forgot it on the way out the door this morning. Um, Maybe you don't have a Bible. If you don't, just keep the Bible they're going to give to you. But everyone needs to look together at God's Word. That's our authority here this morning. Uh, The pastor has nothing for you, as I say very often. But we believe God's Word has a whole lot for us. And so I'm praying that I would speak His Word correctly. Lord, that we, that we might know the Lord more today. So let's look together at verse 26 to 31 of Genesis chapter 1. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So... God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. So today we're going to be focusing on what it means to be created in the image of God. Next week we're going to be focusing on what it means to be created as male and female. So earlier I asked you, what, who do you think you are? Well, God determines that. First, who are you? God defines my identity. God defines my identity. It's important to note, first of all, as we look at the creation of humanity, that there's a change in the way the creation account is written. There, the things are slowing down. There's a different perspective. We're, we're getting to the culmination of God's creation. And we see that mankind is uniquely made. Again, as we think about what the Bible says about how we got there as versus what science or other theories might, out there might say, we see that the Bible says that you were not created out of other kinds, but that God created mankind. We did not evolve. We were formed separately by God. Instead of God saying, let there be, now he says in verse 26, verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We're given God's intention to create humanity. Then he actually does it. 
Before, it was just let there be. Now we're given in, insight into the mind of God. Before, it says, uh, let there be, and then there was, and it was so. Now, God says, let us make man in our, in our image. And then, instead of saying, and it was so, we are given a threefold blessing of mankind. Mankind is the peak of creation. Boyce plays it like this. From this point on, the story of Genesis is the story of man in rebellion against God, but also as the object of his special love and redemption. If if you're kind of doubting from the creation account of the first six days whether mankind is unique or special, all you have to do is read the rest of the Bible, right? Not a lot of focus on the animals, right? Not a lot of focus on the rest of creation, but a whole lot of focus on mankind. And we're going to be talking about this as we think about what Christ has done for humanity. So, what does it mean, let us make man in our image after our likeness? First, we have to determine what is meant by let us make man in our image. Now, it's easy for you and I in 2022 to look back on that and say, oh, well, let us must be Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But did Moses think that when he wrote it? Probably not. Moses probably did not think that when he wrote it. He may not know why he wrote what he wrote when he wrote it. So what does it mean, let us make man in our image? Three other times in the Old Testament, we see let us being used of God. Genesis 3.22, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Just a just kind of a side note here this morning. I really encourage you to write verses down and, and to study this stuff for yourself later. We're just going to be like hitting. There's going to be a lot of verses today. Okay, so I just want to encourage you with that. But Genesis 3.22, let us, uh, sorry, uh, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Genesis 11.7, come, let us go down and there confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them. And then Isaiah 6, 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? So four other times, three, three other times other than this account, four times in total in the Old Testament, we hear this plural being used for God. Some believe it is highlighting the majesty of God or hi, highlighting the, this kind of self-deliberation and this royalty, let, what shall we do? When, when, the, in the, when it's in, at the end of the day, it's, it's just one, God himself, who's doing that. Others believe that God is referring to the heavenly court of angels. You know, let us. But again, what, in what sense is, is the, would we be able to say that we are being made in the image of angels or not? So I think, as I alluded to earlier, the best interpretation is that this is referring to the divine plurality. Both the church fathers and the reformers believed this is an intra-trinity dialogue. How do we get there? Well, we understand that while Moses wrote these things down, God is the author of all of Scripture. And Genesis 1-2, we've already seen the Spirit of God mentioned. Of course, in John 1, we know that Christ also was there at creation. 
And so I believe that this is talking about the Trinity here, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all involved in uh, in the creation account and saying, let us make God in our image. And then it says, interesting, as we think about the Trinity, so God created man in his own image. One God, three persons, right? Really easy to understand. Not really, but we accept it as true because that's what the Word tells us. And to try to reason one way or the other, you wind up in a whole lot of trouble, right? So I believe that this is pointing to the fact that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all part of creation. And specifically here, we are seeing that we are created in the image of God, both male and female. We, we, we created man. What is that meaning? Male and female, as we see in verse 27. So male, or sorry, man, mankind is another way we maybe better understand it. And so when, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? To be created in his likeness. Well, I think we could say safely, it does not refer that God looks like us, right? Any kind of uh, thing that we've seen from, from heavenly accounts, God does not look like us, right? He is majestic. So what does it mean? Ross says it like this, being made in the image of God means that humans share, although imperfectly, in the nature of God. That is, they were given communicable attributes of intelligence, knowledge, spiritual understanding, creativity, wisdom, love, compassion, holiness, justice, and the like. Like, birds don't have those things. Bunnies don't have those things, right? God has created us in his image. We're created in a way that we are able to communicate with one another and be able to communicate with him. And we're going to have a specific design for our role here on, on this earth. I'm going to mention that in just a moment. But to be created in his likeness shows us that we are not God, right? We are, we are not like God. We are, we are like God in some ways, but we are not God. Right? We are not omniscient, we're not all-powerful, we're not sovereign, but we do love, we do have compassion, we do, have, we do know what justice is. Right? So all of these, these things have been handed down to us. It's interesting when you see verse 27, three times he says he created. And it's almost like, okay, do we, are we getting this? Francis Schaeffer writes it like this, as though God puts an explanation point here to indicate that there is something special about the creation of man. So man is the pinnacle of creation. It's okay to say that. Why? Because that's what God's word says. This morning, you have great worth because you've been created in the image of God. We've been created with a will, the ability to make decisions, we have emotions, we have intellect. All of humanity is created in the image of God. And of course, the implications of this fact are abundant. First, every human life is important because it is created in the image of God. David reminded us that God's hand, his, of God's hand in the creation process didn't just happen with Adam and Eve, right? What does he say in Psalm 139? 
Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. David says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book was written every one of them, the days that were formed from me, when as yet there was none of them. This morning, every single person here is important because they have been created by God. Do you believe that this morning? That you have worth? That you're important? Because God created you. See, when we get our eyes off of ourselves and we get our eyes onto him, then we understand our true value. You've been created by God unique and for a purpose. He knew your days before there were one of them. God has a specific purpose for you to be here this morning. Ultimately, God has created us to praise him. That should be our reaction when you understand that we have been created by him, is to praise him, to give him glory, to, to bring him honor. It should be your desire to live for him. That should be the desire of every single person on this earth, is to live for him. Because he created you, every single one of us. You're important this morning because of who your creator is. And his opinion matters more than yours or anyone else's. And so if your mind starts saying, well, I'm not important, that's a lie. You need to submit to what the scriptures say about yourself. That you are important because God has created you. And he's defined you. He defines your identity, not anyone else. God has made you, and he is an awesome creator, and he makes no mistakes. Right? When we start kind of focusing on, like, well, I wish I was taller, or I wish I was, you know, I had this kind of personality, or that kind of personality, that's a bunch of garbage. Stop lying to yourself and understand God knit you together, and you are created beautifully and for a purpose. Stop trying to be like someone else and live out the identity that God has given you. Amen? Every human life has value because God created it. Every life has been created in the image of God. We're going to look at this a little bit more later, but Genesis 9, 6 says this, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Every life is precious in the sight of God. Are they precious in the sight of you and I? Every single person. Our country, our culture does not believe that. Babies are easily discarded day after day after day in our country, and we should mourn and cry out to God on their behalf. We feel like now it is our job to end someone's life if they're uncomfortable, if they don't want to keep on living. Euthanasia. 
is a gross sin against God. Every single life has value because God has created those lives. We know, we believe that murder is wrong. Even, even our culture, even in our culture, we'd understand that murder is wrong. We just like to close our eye towards certain murders. But we, as the people of God, should never, should never think in that way. We should do all that we can to preserve human life. We should do all that we can to help the needy. Some folks, they, they decide to be foster parents, though it is so hard. Some people decide to adopt, and that's hard too, but they do it because of the value of human life. We have value because why? Because God is the one who has made every human being. The third implication is that what? There should be no racism in our world. Zero. Why? Because God has made every single person. And James 3.9 says about the tongue, with, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. We should never be hateful towards another human being. We should never look down on someone else. They are created in the image of God. We should never curse someone else. They're created in the image of God. Again, Satan loves to twist and twist and twist. Oh, you're, you're from that culture. Well, you're, you're here. Or you're, like, you think about India, all the different castes. I mean, that's, that's such a gross, satanic lie. You think about the value of life in our culture. Stick a plastic straw up a, a, a nose of a turtle, and we'll turn the whole world upside down, right? You're sucking out of a paper straw now as a result of it, right? But a baby's life, eh, who cares? May we celebrate life in the way that God intends as the people of God, as those who have the foundational understanding. Our identity comes from Him. So having established our value based on our being created in the image of God, now we need to determine what are we created to do? What, why are we here? Well, God designs my activity, verse 2. God designs, sorry, point 2. God designs my activity. Before we look at the role itself, I want us to first just look at down at verses 29 and 30 and see the way that God cares for humanity and for his creation. Verse 29, and God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. The grains, the fruits, the vegetables, all has been given to humanity to eat and to enjoy. You see that each of them have seeds, right? Why? So that they would continue to produce food. So that there is always food for us to eat. 
God has freely given mankind the sustenance that they would need to survive and thrive. Consider the care and love of God in his provision. Think about the varieties of foods that we get to eat. Even in the vegetable world, all right, men, okay? Not just the meats, right? But the, think about that. I, 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 again, I googled. Apparently over 300,000 plants on this earth. I mean, just consider the variety and the creativity of our God. This is incredible. And God's like, here you go. This is for you. And as we get to chapter 2, we're going to see, and you're supposed to care for it as well. You're supposed to till the ground. You're supposed to be a part of the process. But I have, I'm over it. I've given it to you. And still today, you, you know, we can do all that we can do. But if God does not provide the sun, if he does not provide the rain, if he does not provide the temperatures that we need, then things just don't grow. But part of God's grace towards humanity is that he has given us these things. And then we see in verse 30, And to every beast of the earth, and to every kind of uh, a bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. God has given the food that is needed for all of creation. Last week we highlighted the fact that even the sparrows, God cares for them, right? Is it like... As we know, like winter's coming, right? Those little sparrows are just getting fatter and fatter all the time, right? And and everything's getting ready for the winter. God, I mean, God's creation is incredible. He provides for it all. God says, "Let let it be this way, and it's so. He is sovereign over all of his creation. So God is to care for the God has given us the activity to care for the plants and for the trees, as we're going to see. But he's also given us dominion over more than just the plants, over and, and just the trees. He has given us dominion over all of creation. We see this in verse 26. It is the result of our being made in the image of God. It says in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and then this, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And this design to have dominion is related as a command in verse 28, where it says, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God is putting humanity in charge of his creation. This is what he's doing. He's placing them in authority over his creation. We are to be his representatives as those created in his image. This is what it means. This is what the the role is as a result of being made in his likeness, made in his image. We are now to represent him on this earth. Jesus helps us understand how something or someone can be representative. Think about when Jesus, they're trying to trick Jesus like, to pay the taxes, and they have Jesus, Jesus then has them come and bring a, to- a coin for the tax. He says this in Matthew 22, verse 20. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness in inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, 
Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. The image on the coin represented Caesar. You and I being made in the image of God means that we represent God. We are to rule over this earth. This is the assignment that God has given us as humanity. To be over the, the birds and the, and the fish and the, and the land animals. God says you're to, to rule over these things. We're to represent his presence here on earth. Hart puts it like this. The text is saying that exercising royal dominion over the earth that exercising royal dominion over the earth as God's representative is the basic purpose for which God created man. He adds, man is an appointed king over creation, responsible to the ultimate king, and as such is expected to manage and develop and care for creation. This task is to include physical work, right, as we're going to see in chapter 2. We are to care for God's world. We are to rule over it, over to all of creation. We are to be kings and queens in his stead. This was the original created order. Matthew says this, that lofty position merited the divine bestowal of glory and honor, and at the same time acknowledged human creatureliness and yet honored mankind above all creatures as human. Look to me, well, maybe just write it down. Psalm, Psalms eight, Psalm 8, verses 4 to 8. Psalm 8, verses 4 to 8. Listen to what it says about our being placed over creation. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Then it says this, listen. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the work of your, works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and all beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Mankind is given glory and honor when they faithfully follow the king of kings in their task. So humanity is appointed ruler over the earth. They are seen as royalty kings and queens. Of course, they're not to rule in such a way that they would destroy the earth. They are to care for the earth. This was God's original design. Mankind is to reflect the goodness of God in their rule. And we see as we go through Genesis, if they walked in righteousness, then it what? It went well for creation. If they walk in sin, it does not go well for creation. The first 11 chapters show us that over and over and over again. If we walk in righteousness and rule over the earth in a way that pleases God, it goes well with the earth. If we don't, Genesis 6, the flood, right? It does not go well for creation. Genesis 3, the curse, we're going to see that over and over again as we study. Humanity is not able to rule because of our strength, right? But because we're created in the image of God, we have creativity. We are able to think of ways to rule over the creation itself. James 3, 7 says, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. 
I mean, how did, how did those, some of those animals get into the zoo? Right? Because God has given us the abilities to rule over creation. So you think about the fact that God originally made us to be kings and queens. I was thinking a lot about Queen Elizabeth and her passing this last couple of weeks. I don't know about you, but there, there, I just was struck by, like, there was something really right about the way that Queen Elizabeth was being remembered. Like seeing the images of their eight grandchildren coming and standing at the coffin and just standing there and being silent for 15 minutes. There, there was a lot of dignity. There's a lot of honor for her life. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking at how different it is in our Western world, generally speaking. Right now, when someone dies, even the closest to them, they're like, they can barely slow down to, to, to even think about the fact that that person has died. Whether they have a funeral or not, it's up in the air. You just got to move on. Like, again, the value of human life is down here. And, and what happened for the queen really ought to happen for every person who dies. There should be, everyone should stop. Everyone should stop and mourn and, and, and recognize that the death of the human being is a great tragedy. That there's still death in this world because of sin. But this will not last forever because of what Christ has done. Which is why, where I want to turn now as we think about this last point. God delivers my humanity. God delivers my humanity. We're in Genesis 1 right now, but we are living a lot longer past Genesis 1, and we know Genesis 3 is between now and then, right? So, so the question is this morning, because sin happened, am I still created in the image of God? And is the mission still the mission? Well, let's think about this. First, I want to say that the mission does remain somewhat, but there's another mission, as we're going to see. And secondly, that we are still created in the image of God. This image of God was passed on from generation to generation. We see this in Genesis 5.3. Again, going to be a lot of verses, especially in this section here. Genesis 5.3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. God passed on his likeness to Adam. Adam then passes on that likeness to Seth, and on it goes. We've seen already in Genesis 9.6 that whoever sheds blood by man shall his blood be shed. For why? For God made man in his own image. This is post-flood, these words. Human life still has value and importance, even though sin is now what it mean, part of what it means to be human. Our ability to rule has been diminished through sin. The writer of Hebrews put it like this, Hebrews 2.8. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see yet, yet see everything in subjection to him. Everything is not in subjection to humanity. It's not in subjection to the King of kings and Lord of lords yet at this time. 
That day is coming. Man will never be able to fully achieve what they were designed to do. When man sinned against the God of this earth, mankind was cursed, and the earth also as well. Now we know that the ground is difficult to work, right? Whereas we're going to see in Genesis 3. Ross puts it like this, By rebelling against God, the humans forfeited their right to rule and have dominion as God's representatives. They were expelled from the garden to scratch out a simple living from an unproductive ground and outside the presence of God. Life would be difficult and far more dangerous. And so everything in this fallen world is not like it was in the garden. It's not like it was in Genesis 1. This rulership is, is hard work now, and it's never going to be the way it ought to be until Christ returns. Man's greatest problem, of course, in that rulership is that we were put here to what? Reflect God. How can you reflect God when you're walking in rebellion against him? And so in order for us to even get close to back to where we were supposed to be in the first place, we, need to, we needed our sin to be dealt with. And this is what God has done. So, as we're going to see in this first 11 chapters of Genesis, God made it very clear that we have a sin problem, <laughs> right? Everything that we try to do fails. Everything that, when it comes to our, our focusing on ourselves, what do we do? We sin, we, we are selfish. But Genesis 12 promises that there was going to be something different. Of course, that something different was fulfilled in Christ's coming. We think about humanity in, in, in left to ourselves, our, our ability to rule, the wisdom that we would need is it, tainted when we worship creation rather than the creator, as it says in Romans 1. And so we need to be redeemed. And so Jesus came. And again, I want us to know that this plan was the plan. After the fruit? No, it was before the fruit. Before creation itself. Second Timothy 1.9 Christ who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. When you think about, again, our worth, who we are, our identity. Not only have you been created in the image of God, but God had a plan that even though we would walk in rebellion and shake our fists against him, he would send his son to this earth to die for us. And so Jesus comes to this earth. And guess what? He had perfect dominion over the earth. Did he not? He is the better Adam. When he's in the wilderness... Guess what? Mark tells us in Mark chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, there's wild animals there. Did the wild animals eat him up and spit him out? No, they did not. He had dominion over his creation. He turned water into wine. 
He fed over 5,000 with what? Two fish and five loaves of bread. He walked on water. He stilled storms. He healed sickness and disease. He raised people from the dead. Jesus showed that he has dominion over his creation. However, that's not why he came. There is a time it's coming where he will rule in perfect ruler, um, as a perfect ruler over this world, but that's not why he came. He came to defeat our greatest enemies. He came to defeat sin and death and Satan. In laying down his life for his sins, for our sins, he defeated all three. And all who put their faith and trust in him are forgiven. This morning, have you placed your hope and trust in him? Have you been forgiven your sins that separated you from God, from the King of kings and the Lord of lords? If you've placed your hope and trust in him, then what then takes place? You're now reconciled to God. No longer running from God, like we see in Genesis 3 after Adam and Eve ate the fruit, right? God comes to the garden. What do they do? They hide. They run from him. And we've been running as humanity ever since. But now, because God came, because Christ came to this earth, we no longer need to run. We can run to him rather than running from him. We are reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. Secondly, God has made us new creations and caused us to have a new beginning. The old things having passed away. We are given the righteousness of God. We have been justified before him just as we have never sinned. This is the hope of the gospel. Thirdly, we are now able to serve the king, the one who made us. We're able to represent him on this earth. Because of what Christ has done. He knows that we are still in bodies of death. So what's he do? He gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us, to help us to live out his commands. It says in Ephesians 4, chapter 22 to 24, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. Created what? After the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Like, how beautiful is this? Those of us who were created in the image of God but tainted by sin, now Christ comes so that we can now have the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And the result of that is what? A sanctifying process that he talks about in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The glory that has been lost because of our sin, God is bringing it back. And we are becoming more and more like Christ, like His image. That we might represent Him On this earth, we now have a new mission. 
It's not simply to have dominion over this earth. We have a new mission by, given by who? Jesus, who, ha- who has what? All authority. We think about dominion. He is the one who has all authority over heaven and earth. And so what's he do? He sends you and I to make disciples of him over all the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that Christ has given us. And we're to do this until when? Until the end of the age. This is now what we get to do as followers of him. Remember, remember that we were created as royalty, Genesis 1? Catch what it says in 1 Peter 2, 9. This being said of believers, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Because Christ has come, we have been redeemed. A new creation has come in your life, awaiting the culmination of when the old heavens and the old earth will be removed forevermore and a new heavens and a new earth will come and Christ will reign forevermore. If Christ shall tarry, You will be changed from glory to glory in this life with it culminating with you being glorified. Romans 8.30 One day we will be like Christ for we will see him as he is at the final day. The old body will be gone, this body of sin, and a new body will be given. And then your job for all of eternity will be to reign with Christ forevermore. The dominion that was lost in the garden will be brought back, but so much better. Because that kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. Listen to what it says in Daniel 7 to 14 about Christ's kingdom. And to him, Christ will be given dominion and glory and a kingdom then that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So this morning, have you been reconciled to your creator through Jesus Christ? Have you been redeemed through Jesus Are you now living for the glory of the king as his representative? You who have been created in the image of God now are being made into the image of Christ through Jesus Christ, through the power of his spirit. Who do you think you are? Do you have the mind of God this morning? Does his opinion matter more than your or anyone else's opinion in your life? Do you see your value, your importance to God that would not only knit you together, but would leave the throne of God, come to this earth, and die for you? What an awesome God. Why would he do this?
Why would he look at us puny humans compared to him and do such a thing? Because of his love, because of his mercy, because of his compassion, because of his good plan. And it is our joy as the people of God to leave this place and to celebrate life because he is the author of life, not just in this world, but in the world to come. May we spread the message of his life so that others might be brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we're so thankful that our identity is not worthless sinner this morning. For apart from you, that is who we we would be, God. That God, in your good plan, you've come, you've lived the perfect life, you've died for our sins, you've placed our sins upon yourself and given us your righteousness. And now we are children of God, increasingly being made into your likeness, God. Lord, that we might represent you well on this earth, that we might proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. God, I would pray this morning that if anyone here is struggling with their worth, with their importance, that God, you would show them your perspective. God, thank you that you would care for us in such an amazing way. Lord, if there are those who are just having a tough time believing this this morning, would you help them to reach out? Lord, if they are still not reconciled to you, God, I pray that even today, Lord, that they would bow the knee, they would repent of their sin and place their trust in you. And God, if they are your child, But Lord, they've lost their way. God, would you bring them back to you even today? Lord, that they might know that you are the one who's given them life and life abundantly through Jesus Christ. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.